0: Well, good morning, sons, and good morning, brothers. It is time again for the Things I Want to Say Mostly to Men, Man Podcast. Okay, I admit I'm a day late here. I went to a conference this past week with my pastor sons, Kyle and Chuck. Dan and Wes my non-pastor sons. Even though Dan has pastoral training, he's a... um, He's in oil and and gas, and Wes is in plumbing. I think I mentioned that. This morning, I'm recording this uh, podcast on a Friday morning. Friday is normally my study day, but I went away to a conference, a pastor's conference, and uh, for three days this week, tried to catch up yesterday on things at the church. Had some meetings last night and this morning, so this is the first I've been able to do this. And and even as we speak, our daughter-in-law, Dylan is in labor, should be in labor, God willing, bringing into the world a grandson, I think it's number 19 or 20, I gotta double check, named Bodie. So um, by the time you listen to this podcast, there might be some news about Bodie and about Dylan and Wes and little Haley and June and their family that live in Dallas. And But today... We are going to continue our series of messages, our series of podcasts, if you will, on uh, crafting a holy life, tools to craft a holy life, or weapons to resist sin. And if you recall, we talked about two so far, pray and obey. Today we'll talk about meditate. These are powerful tools to craft a holy life, powerful weapons to resist sin, because sin is independence from God, we fight it with prayer. Because sin is rebellion against God, we fight it with obedience. And because sin is ignorance or unbelief, we fight it with meditation on truth. Today, I want to teach you how powerful it is, why meditating on truth is a powerful way to defeat sin in your life, to fight against sin in your life. And what we'll do today is we will study Psalm 19. Uh, we'll we'll look at Psalm 19 and a number of other passages of Scripture, especially the teaching of Jesus in John 17, the teaching of Jesus in John 8. And why is it that, you know, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds." Out of the mouth of God. Why? How does life proceed from the words of Jesus? And then how practically would a man who's trying to live in this broken, fallen, sin-cursed world with this with a with a inwards indwelling sin in, in the world of the flesh, the devil within and around him? What would it look like for a man to use the tool of meditation to fight against, to craft a holy life? Or the weapon of meditation on truth to fight against sin? Um, what I am going to talk about is what I call doing the hard work, doing the heavy lifting. I went to a counseling experience with a young man once. He gave me permission to talk about this. It was at a ministry in Brown County, Indiana, called Twelve Stones, and he and he was there to do the hard work of understanding the lies that he had believed all his life that led him to the things that he was doing that weren't pleasing God, and things that he was tempted to do that would have destroyed his life. And, and so we spent three days in a cabin in the woods with a trained counselor walking through What lies are you believing in? What truth should you replace those lies with? Of Psalm 19, C.S. Lewis said, I take this to be the greatest poem in the Psalter, one of the greatest lyrics in the world. What I'm about to teach you is powerful and transformational. This truth will lead to change that is supernatural. You add it to pray and obey, and you'll see that you can change in a way you never thought was possible. There is a level of victory. There's a level of obedience. There's a level of holiness for you that you probably have never experienced and you may never have thought was possible. So let's start. I don't know where you are if you're in your truck or if you're working on a project, uh, in your car on a on a commute, but I don't know where you are, but I want me to pray for you right now and pray for me. Father, help us now. Uh, here as I'm out in the corner of the room up in, the, in the, uh, the Bittersweet Farm in a farmhouse on Bittersweet Farm, and I'm recording this podcast for men wherever they are, and whatever they're doing. I would pray this, Lord, that we're seeking transformation and we ask you to help us, Lord. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Amen. So we're going to do a quick spin through Psalm 19, and then I want to teach you how meditation can transform you and free you from sin. How can you be free from the what Psalm 19 calls the great transgression? And how can my words and my thoughts be pleasing to God? And the reason I've said it this way is if you read Psalm 19, you'll notice that when you reach the end of Psalm 19 which is a beautiful passage that includes a section about the Word of God, a very powerful section about the Word of God. It talks about nature, then it talks about the Word of God, and then it ends this way, "'Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer.'" Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer.'" Now, that's the last verse, verse 14 of Psalm 19. And if you go from verse 14 and you reverse your way through this psalm, what you discover is the heart of the psalm is expressed there in the end in verse 14. This is the goal. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. And then if you back up to verse 12 and 13... You see these things listed. You see errors, hidden faults, presumptuous sins, life-dominating sins. And then you see this frightening phrase, the great transgression. Again, working through this backwards, top, bottom to top. The passage ends by saying, God, let everything I say and think, the meditation on my heart, be acceptable to you so that I won't be involved in the great transgression. Now, if you don't want to be involved in a great transgression, God forbid, you know, adultery, embezzling from your company, melting down your life, then you want to make sure you don't have life-dominating sins. And that's why it says in verse 13, I'll be innocent, blameless, and innocent of the great transgression. Let them not have dominion over me. If you don't want sins to have dominion over you, you must not sin presumptuously, which if you back up further in the verse, that's what it says in verse 13, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. That's just the uh, habitual sins. So habitual sins leaves the life-dominating sins lead to a great transgression. But before that are secret sins. That's why it says keep your ser- servant back from hidden faults. But before that, it says errors. So you see in verse 12 through verse 14, you have errors, hidden faults, presumptuous sins or habitual sins, life-dominating sins, character-forming sins, and then the great transgression. But what we want, do you see it in verse 14, is to say God's Word and think God's Word. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Then I won't have a great great transgression. Then I won't have life-dominating sins. Then I won't have habitual sins. Then I won't have hidden their secret sins. I don't want to have small sins. Well, how do you go about doing that? Back up further and what you have is the Word of God. You have a long section, one of the most beautiful sections in the Bible about the beauty of the Word of God, starting in verse 7, going to verse 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, inverting the soul, reviving the soul. the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, and enlightening. The eyes, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Now, without going into a lot of detail, obviously these are valuable, and that's exactly what it says here. More to be desired are they than gold, verse 10. Even fine gold, much fine gold, sweeter than honey, and the drippings of the honeycomb. So they're valuable, and they're satisfying, like honey. Moreover, by them your servants warned, and in keeping of them is great reward. So again, you have value and reward and satisfaction in what in the Bible? Do you do you do? You, are you tracking, reversing this passage, starting at the end? Let the words of my mouth, let the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Keep me from great transgressions, dominating sins habitual sins, presumptuous sins, hidden faults, secret sins. How? By getting in the word, by valuing, by being satisfied by the word of God. And then you have something that tugs you into the word of God. That's the first six verses. In the first six verses of the psalm, you see something that God has designed to tug every man into the Word of God, and that is nature, its creation, it's the path of the sun across the sky, it's the early morning turkey hunt, it's the golf outing, it's the it's the it's the float uh, plane in Alaska, it's the um, it's the um, fishing boat, whatever a man does outside often a man will say, I feel closer to God outdoors. Well, that's by God's design. He created creation in order to make you curious and hungry for him. But a wise man, when he meets God in creation wants to know him better and follows him into his book, the word, and then in delighting in his book and meditating on scripture, that works against small sins and secret sins and presumptuous sins and Habitual sins and life-dominating sins keeps him away from the great transgression and the words of his mouth and the meditation of his heart are acceptable in the sight of God. Now you understand. Now Christ said it this way. Jesus taught his disciples that Satan was a murderer. He comes to kill, steal, destroy. He'll take you to hell if he can. If he can't take you to hell because you're saved, he'll try to destroy your life. And if he can't destroy your life, he'll try to destroy the lives of those nearest to you. Satan and his demons are hateful. They're evil. The the worst antagonist you ever saw in a movie isn't nearly as evil as Satan is and what he wants to do to you and your family because you belong to God. He'll take you to hell if you don't know the Lord. If you do know the Lord, he'll try to kill you. If he can't kill you, he'll try to destroy you. We've seen this over and over again. You can tell stories about that. But what does Jesus come to do? Satan wants to destroy you, and Jesus wants to give you life, an abundant life, what the Bible says is that Satan is a murderer and a liar. He he murders by lying. He deceives then he kills. Jesus is the opposite. He tells the truth and he gives you life through his truth. Are you tracking? Think about this carefully. Life comes from truth from Jesus. Death comes from lies from Satan. Did you catch that? Christ gives us a daily truth like the like the daily bread. Christ wants us to meditate fresh every day on truth and give us incremental experience of life in that way. Now, now, don't take my word for this. Listen carefully to what Jesus said in John 17 and verse 15. This is the way that God created the world. He says, Jesus said this as he's praying for his men. I have given them your word And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Sanctify them through the truth. Your word is truth. They're not of this world, just as I'm not of this world. Sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. The word has a cleansing, sanctifying, setting-apart effect. Jesus wants to give you life, John 10.10 he comes to kill, steal, destroy, he comes to you can have abundant life. So he wants you to have life. He wants you to have eternal life. He wants you to have abundant life. God gives the gift of life. Jesus paid for eternal life. The Holy Spirit working in us helps us to experience abundant life. And that's what Jesus wants for you. He doesn't want you to live on the end of a chain in a circle of mud defined by your besetting sins. He wants you to run free and off the chain. He wants you to live free and experience life but Satan wants to kill you. So again, I don't want to overdo this but I want you to make sure I want to make sure you get this. this is vital that you get this and that is the way to life is by God's truth given in daily increments. get God's truth in your heart and meditate on it day and night. And then you have life, vitality, all that God expects for you. But if you believe lies, if you meditate on lies, if you allow lies to be embedded in your soul, you can only expect death and destruction as a result of that. So think about this. I believe there's a lie that will kill you and a truth that will set you free every day. Jesus continually warned his followers, don't be deceived. You can deceive yourself. Others can deceive you. You can be deceived by demons or by Satan himself. You can be deceived by the philosophies of the world around us that are embedded in movies and music and and everywhere we look, the nightly news, people will tell you lies about you. You will lie to yourself. Even well-meaning people will give you half-truths or the people who love you will tell you things that aren't true. Satan and demons will tell you lies about you. The world around you is lying to you all the time. False religion and false philosophies are there to deceive you. So if you think about it, men, we live in a dangerous world because it is a minefield of lies. Even more the night even even more as the night of judgment is coming over America. And so meditating on truth is a very powerful spiritual force, a thing a man wants to gain proficiency in. You want to be good at meditating on truth. You want to be a master of God's truth. You want to know the truth of God. Where in the Bible you'll find something really powerful happens when you do this hard work, heavy lifting, and you begin to meditate on truth. And it's worth whatever it costs you in order to learn it. A powerful way to fight against sin and to craft a holy life is to do the hard spiritual mental work of identifying the lies that you believe and finding the truth that will set you free. When a lie that lies in the bottom of your soul is pushed out by the Word of God, you'll be free from that sin. So think about it. Satan has a counterfeit for every good thing Jesus has. Jesus wants to give you the truth that you need for life every day. So Satan has a custom-made lie And in order to bring death to you and to your loved ones. Let me give you some examples so that you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. Here's a lie. A lie that comes into your mind. Let's say you're thinking and you think, I just can't overcome this problem. I can't ever change. This is too too big of a too heavy of a temptation. We're all tempted to believe that we can't change, that we can't overcome our sin. That's a lie. Here's the truth. There's a way of escape. Where does the Bible say that? Example, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation is overtaking you that's not common to man. God is faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with a temptation, he'll provide a way of escape that you will be able to endure it. So the lie is, I can't overcome this. I can't change. The truth is, there's a way of escape. Hebrews 4, 12. The word of God is living and powerful. James 1.21, lay aside filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Do you see? There is a way of escape. The scriptures say so. So when you think, I can't overcome this, quote, 1 Corinthians 10.13, Hebrews 4.12, James 1.21, 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, for this reason, We also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectively works in you who believe. Don't ever believe the word doesn't work. First Thessalonians 2.13 says it effectively works. Jesus prayed in John 17, 17, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. He prayed in John 17, 19, for for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by truth. Jesus is setting himself apart and praying over us that we would be sanctified. So you can, there is an alternative to sin. You, you, You can escape sin. John 15, 3, you are already clean because of the word, which I've spoken. You see the power of the word. Ephesians 2, 5, that he might sanctify cleanser by the washing of water by the word. There it is again. You see, power of meditating on God's word to cleanse you and deliver you from sin. And then that's why David said this. and He had experience fighting against sin, yielding to sin, defeating sin, and walking with God. Psalm 119, verse 11, David wrote, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. So the lie there, isn't an example of a lie? I can't overcome this. I can never change the truth. And I gave you many passages of scripture that teach it. There is a way of escape. You can, the scriptures, you can escape. So don't believe the lie. So for yourself and for those that you love, you want to get good at identifying the lies that Satan is using to snuff out life. And you want to be really good at, seeing what passage or passages of Scripture should you meditate on in order to gain confidence and spiritual power to overcome that sin. And then you want to be good at identifying the lies that those that you're responsible for believe. This is a very powerful way for a man to be a, a force against evil. It's a very powerful way for a man to be a help to his wife and children or those in his care is listen to them talk. And when they talk, they're going to say things. And when they say things, you're going to notice that some of the things they say are not entirely true or they're half-truths or they're lies. And you probably have maybe an idea where those lies came from. There'll be special custom-made lies for each person and you'll hear them repeating that. Nobody likes me. I don't have any friends. I'm not good at anything. Uh, Or or there's no, the only way that I can get anything done is to be angry. Or, you know, there's just all kinds of things that come into our minds that we repeat. And the people that are in your life that you're responsible for to help them, deliver them from evil, they're going to say things that show the lies that they believe. Let me give you an example of one. Somebody said, Once I think too much. As if it's a harmful thing to think too much. It's very common for people to say, I overthink. I think too much. Well, the truth is you're always thinking. If you're, you're awake, you're thinking. And sometimes when you're sleeping, you're thinking. And so you can't escape thinking. It's a part of being human. The issue is not that you think too much. It's that you think about the wrong things. You think the wrong way about the wrong things. So thinking the wrong things is what's harmful, not just thinking. Thinking good things is actually a command of God, and it's very good for us. The Scriptures teach us in Philippians 4, 6, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. Peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So finally, brothers, whatever's true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable and excellent. If there's anything worthy of praise, listen to what it says. Verse 8, think about those things. Think continually about those things. What you've learned and received and heard in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Do you see your meditation and your practice are going to be linked together? So the issue is not, I think too much. The issue is I don't think enough about the right things. I need to replace the wayward thoughts in my mind that are harmful, that are damaging, that are not true, that are dangerous, with things that are true. So I'm singing and making melody in my heart. So the lie is I think too much, but the truth is you think about the wrong things. And the passage, one of the passages is Philippians 4.8. So there's another example. Let me give you a further another example. Here's a lie that someone might believe. The only way I can get my husband or kids to take me seriously, the only way I can get them to do what I want is to get angry. A man can think, the only way I can get anything done is through anger. But but that's a lie because the truth is the wrath of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. James 1.20 says, human anger doesn't produce the righteousness God desires. Here's another lie. Knowing the truth will make me spiritual. That's not true. It's practicing the truth that will make you spiritual. Like the lie is owning a bike will make you fit. Truth is riding a bike will make you fit. So you don't be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. James 1.22-25 Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts he will be blessed in his doing. Here's the lie. Knowing truth is what makes me spiritual. Here's the truth. Practicing truth is what makes you spiritual. Here's a lie. You're not worth liking. You're not worthy of love. Something's wrong with you. Something especially repulsive about you. People are going to reject you when they get to know you. That's a lie. Here's the truth. You're special to God. You know, you're a sinner. God's making you more and more attractive and winsome every day. You're You're created by God, and many will love you. Here's a truth from, here's where that, one of the places where that truth is found is in Ephesians in chapter one. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself, his sons, through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. The believer who's in Christ, who's in him, is is blessed. So it's a lie to say, well, I'm not worthy or worth liking. Well, you're created by God. And if you're a believer, you're in Christ and you're blessed. Um, here's a lie. You're getting old, and if you keep waiting for a really godly, desirable man, you'll grow old and single, and you won't be happy. A young woman could think that. You may have a daughter that thinks you're getting old. You got If you keep waiting for the godly, desirable man, you're going to get old and single. You don't want that. You want to be happy, so you need to take somebody lesser. Truth is, you should concentrate on being who God wants you to be and let him bring you who he wants you to have. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Here's a lie. No one will know if I indulge in secret sexual sin. No one will be hurt if I indulge in secret sin in my thought life. But here's the truth. God is the avenger of all such. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3-8. through This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. Each one of you should know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who don't know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the Avenger in all these things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, God has not called us to impurity, but holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So we could go on and on, and we could give examples of lies and truth, But this is the thing that you want to learn to do. You want to learn to recognize a lie when you hear it. Do the heavy lifting of searching the scriptures until you find a really powerful passage of scripture that tells the truth. And then meditate on that truth when that lie comes to your mind. When an idea comes to your mind, we ought to ask the question, where did that idea come from? Uh, When a bad idea comes to your mind, we need to do the hard work of finding truth that will neutralize that lie and concentrate on that truth, that is called meditation. And that is what God uses to set a man, to set a man free from sin. Um, many, many passages of Scripture may come uh, to your mind when you begin to s- s- carefully study the Bible to counter the lies that you tend to believe. It's important that you understand what lies you're believing. It's important that you listen to your heart and then compare that with Scripture. So if you meditate on God in a general way, it will still work. But you just won't know specifically how and why it worked. But if you meditate on God's Word in a specific way, one lie at a time, it'll work faster and better and you'll be more effective because you will help others because you'll know how it worked. Either way works. If you know how it happened, it's easier to do it again. So you got some hard work to do there, but God is stronger and God is at work in you. We don't have to live in bondage to sin, man. We can be free. God can set us free and he'll use prayer and obedience and truth to set us free. It's amazing what can happen when we apply God's word uh, to our lives. Satan wants to destroy with lies, but God's stronger. He's the Lord of truth. He's the Lord of all and he wants the scriptures in your life. Her story, I think it was told by a Gideon worker, guys who distribute Bibles, about a small Siberian Baptist church. Some, uh, some uh, uh, men were visiting in Siberia, in, in Russia, and they came across a small Baptist church. And they asked, how did this church get started? We didn't know there were any missionaries here. Well, what had happened is that... Um, there were some fishermen who were out in their boats one day, and, and they prayed to God in general. And then um, they uh, some b- books fell out of the sky after they prayed. What had happened is that there was a um, there was a Bible distribution uh, that was going on, and and um, there was an emergency situation, and these uh, Bibles had to be pushed out of the out of a plane or something or a helicopter. They happen to fall on these fishermen. The fishermen read the Bibles. They were converted. We went back to their village, started a church. Now That's unusual. But God manifests his power through his word, lived out in the lives of simple believers. Get a Bible. Begin to meditate on it. Obey what you meditate on. And God will go to work in your life. God will work powerfully in your life. I hope that this has been an encouragement to you. And I hope that you will get up in the morning and that you will open up your Bible and that you will seek truth from God when your heart is troubled, when you're afraid, when you're tempted, that you'll recognize the lies that you're believing. Do the heavy look lifting of studying God's word to find where does the Bible say the truth, where God is speaking to you. And what will happen is you will begin to have greater victory over sin. You'll be able to help other people have greater victory over sin, it's important to understand that the Bible teaches in John 17 that Jesus is praying for you. You are continually at the top of Jesus' prayer list. He wants you to have eternal life through the knowledge of God the Father. You can see this in John 17, 2 and 3. He wants you to experience supernatural joy. You can see this in John 17, 13. He wants you to overcome the evil one. You can see this in John 17, 15. He wants you to live in unity and the truth. You can see this in John 17, 21. He wants you to see the glory of the Father. uh, Have a constant knowledge in the deepest part of your soul that God is real and beautiful. You see this in John 17, 27. And how does he do this? Through the word. He sanctifies his men through his word. And that's why I want to remind you about. So you have the spirit and you have the word. Jesus praying for you. Remember that. Jesus continually praying for you. And remember the spirit is continually speaking to you through his word. And that's how we know who our father is according to John again in chapter 14 and many passages of scripture talk about Listening to God, and in this, the best way to listen to God is to give attention to His Word, He's speaking in His Word, and He continually says over and over again. For instance, in Revelation 1 2, uh, chapter 1 3, chapter 2, verse 7, 11, 17, 29, chapter 3, verse 6, 13, 22, chapter 13, and verse 9 of Revelation, it says this phrase If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. God does what he does through men who listen to his word. And what God will often do is he will whisper the truth into your soul from the Bible. That's the exact antidote, if you will, for the lie that Satan is putting in your mind or the discouraging thought that you're having. So think about this, guys. Are you saved? Are you listening? Are you listening for the sound of his voice? Do you love the sound of his voice? This is what a man wants to do. So, just to recap: st- number one weapon against the sin of independence from God is prayer. Number two weapon against the rebellion against uh, disobedience is obedience. Number three uh, weapon against uh, the the um, uh, ignorance and unbelief of sin is meditating on Scripture. And when you meditate on Scripture. Uh, and you get truth in in your brain, and you apply it specifically to the areas where you have listened to lies before, you'll have inside-out transformation. that's, um, That's the lesson. That's the teaching for this week. And next week, we'll go into a very powerful how worship can fight against sin, and then how intimacy with God can fight against sin. I hope you found this to be helpful. And if you have any questions, feel free to give me a call or send me an email. I'll be glad to answer any questions that you have and help you to uh, discover a brand new level of obedience to God, a brand new level of victory against sin, a brand new level of crafting holiness in your life.